Here is a little known scripture. Probably many in churches have never heard of this scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Unless the work is authored by God, we are in danger. We must be sure it is the Holy Spirit leading us to do that good work. When I was a new Christian, my best friend was raised Baptist, and she told me, said, Oh, Joni, I know someone at the hospital needs you. So she insisted that I become a candy striper. This is at about the age of, I was probably 38 by then. So I volunteered at Baylor Hospital in Dallas to become a candy striper. This was total disaster from the very moment I entered the hospital for me and everyone else involved. Not that I thought this was necessarily a good work, like I was trying to do something for God, but this fits in the category. At the orientation meeting the first day, they were brewing coffee over at the side of the room. I walked over and got a cup of coffee and sat down before the meeting began. The coffee had not finished brewing, and coffee just went all over the table. I was so embarrassed, and the head of the department, I heard her say to another woman, who was it that did this? From the very moment I entered that hospital, I was a marked person. Beware of this woman that has volunteered. One of the things they had me do was to feed tomato soup to this very old man who could not feed himself. He had a long white beard, <laughs> temporarily. He had a good nature, fortunately, because by the time I finished feeding the soup, his beard was partially red and he was laughing and I was laughing. The only thing they ever found that I could do successfully in the hospital was carry little bottles of urine to the laboratory to be an analyzed. It was a disaster. I don't think I stayed there more than a week or so. But there are many people in churches who set out to do good works. There are churches that put signs on the bulletin board encouraging people to volunteer to visit the sick or volunteer to take food or things like that. And it seems like such a good work. But unless God is urging you by his spirit to do this work, this is one of those works that Jesus speaks of in Matthew 7. Many will come in my name 
saying, They have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Many of us have been trapped in strange jobs, especially as young people. Pam Paget does all the technical works for the books of this ministry. She told me this story, which is just remarkable. As a young person in college, she wanted to help juvenile delinquents, and she thought she would be able to help juvenile delinquents. She took a bachelor's degree in some field that pertained to helping juvenile delinquents. Then she found in her internship that she couldn't really do the work. She didn't know what to do. So she decided she needed to go to and get a master's degree in it. While she was getting a master's degree, she took a job working in a center where it was sort of that kind of thing where they either sent the young person to prison or he had to work in this, um, had to go to this center. They had pool tables and various games. And Pam was, I guess, a counselor. And she said she was absolutely terrified in there. There was one young man that she recognized as having devils in him. He was so wild. She said he looked like Charles Manson in the eyes. And she told two of the men who were working there with her, we need to cast devils out of this young man. And they went to the church she went to. And they said, oh, no. Well, they didn't try that. It reminded me a bit of the story of if you try to cast devils out when you aren't authorized to do this, you can be in trouble. I looked that up, and it's in Acts 19. Start at verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon themselves to call over them which had evil spirits the name of Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one, Sivica, a Jew, and a chief of the priest which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped upon them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so they that so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Uh, you may wonder how evil spirits speak. I have heard them many times speak through human beings. The human being who has the evil spirit the voice changes, and that evil spirit is nasty and leaps and just lashes out at me. I've heard them many times. They speak through the tongue of the human being. Pam has said at this place where she worked, she was working on a Saturday afternoon. 
and she was all by herself at the center. One of the boys came in with a snake around his neck. He took it off and threw it at Pam on her desk. Pam said she had all of a sudden just a knowledge that she must not show fear. She said she just grabbed the snake and threw it back at him and said, Oh, here, you take this thing. There was another time the Holy Spirit rose up in her to speak to one of these juvenile delinquents. He said something, oh, I know what it was. He said that he worshipped Satan. He was telling someone else he worshipped Satan. And they said, well, aren't you afraid to do that? And he said, no, he's told me he'll give me a cup of water in hell, a cup of cool water. Out of Pam's mouth came a word of God. But Satan is a liar, and he was a liar from the beginning. That's a scripture in John 8, which Jesus said, but in the case of Pam, this was the Holy Spirit speaking it. She wasn't trying to do anything. The thing brought forth from Pam's mouth by the Holy Spirit at that time is in John 8, and we'll start reading at verse 43. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, and he says, why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus says, And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Some of these, well, these negative thoughts that we have, those are simply devils trying to injure us. But he's a liar. He tells you the exact opposite from the word of Jesus. He tells you exactly opposite. You'll speak some to someone by the Holy Spirit and the devil will whisper later, you shouldn't have said that. You should have just kept your mouth shut. And it troubles us greatly for a few moments until we come to our senses and realize that's a devil speaking to us, bringing a thought to us to destroy us. John 10.10 10. Jesus says, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Concerning this subject of doing works that seem to be good works, which are not authored by God, How do you know if a work is authored by God? James 3.17 tells us about the wisdom that is from above. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, 
and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. A lot of times ideas will come to us as we are trying to get what we want, and the idea will have a little bit of hypocrisy in it, just a tinge. You always can know we are not going by the plan of God. Stop, pray again about this thing that you're about to do, because whatever it is that has the hypocrisy is not the way to go. It also warns us in James 3 that if you are have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, you're in a danger. James 3.14 But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So if you have either envy or strife in your heart, I think the first thing to do is to recognize it. Turn to God in prayer. God, please help me. Remove this from me. Help me to be healed. David once prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The word there on James 3.17, it says the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Your own flesh can lead you the wrong way. That desire of our flesh is very strong, and it may not be the will of God at all. That would be impure praying. So, basically, we have to take that desire and say over it, thy will be done, and really mean it. I want to do this, but what is your will? Churches often have little projects that you can be involved in. This is a really important thing to pray and to learn to pray as to whether or not you should do this. This is a remarkable story shared with me by Pam Padgett. When she was a young woman, she attended a non-denominational church, and they had a church ministry trip that they were going to go on. She lived in Oklahoma at the time. It is hot in Oklahoma in the summer. She lived in Oklahoma, and they were going on these school buses, which was to some other town, which I think was 250 miles away or so, and this school bus was not air-conditioned. It was just one of those yellow school buses. She signed up to go on the trip and went to the meeting place, got on the bus, and these women were hostile toward her. They wanted nothing to do with her. It was like a church clique of some kind. There was one woman on the bus who was just weeping. They had done something to her. 
It turned out that this woman later heard me on radio and began to uh, communicate with me, the one who had been weeping, and she and Pam became good friends. But at that time on that trip, they housed these ministry people in private housing. And one woman, they put three of them in this one house, Pam and Linda and some this other woman. And this woman wanted nothing to do with Pam and Linda. She wanted to be with her church friends. This is horrible. Pam said they treated her worse in this church group than she was treated at her secular job by these women, by women. Before they went to the church gathering, the church meeting on this ministry trip, Pam said to one of the other women, what are we supposed to do? And nobody knew. They were going on a church-sponsored ministry trip. Nobody knew what they were supposed to do. They got there, and the only thing they actually did at the church gathering, the church meeting, was sing a few songs. And that was supposed to be a church ministry trip. There are many good works set up by churches for you to do that are not authored by God. I'm absolutely certain many of the ministers who get in touch with me are doing things that are not authored by God. I get letters from some of these ministers, emails from some of these ministers around the world, and it's incredible what they tell me they're doing. They're building a home for old folks. They're building a school for children. They're building an orphanage. And they want me to send them money. It puts a burden on us, doesn't it? Because we know, basically, this isn't of God. Don't we know this can't be of God? I hope so. But if we don't send money, don't we also feel a little guilty? They use guilt to try to get us to send money. That is called extortion. Extortion. So many ministers are extortioners trying to wrestle that money out of the congregation, either by scripture or by things like this, making you feel guilty and burdened. It is never God. I don't believe I've ever had an experience with God where I felt guilty. Paul told us what to do with a brother who is an extortioner. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting at verse 11, Paul says, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such a one, know not to eat. And he says, put away from among yourselves that wicked person, extortioner. So many preachers themselves are extortioners. Wrestling the money out of you for themselves. Through calling it a good work. 
He says, don't keep company with those people. Well, I wouldn't. Don't go to their churches when you see this. Stop going to that church. Put away from among yourselves that wicked person. And if that minister, so-called minister, makes you feel guilty, that really pinpoints it. That pinpoints extortion. And it also shows you this is not by the Holy Spirit. I just don't believe God leads us through making us feel guilty. He's usually just given me a great desire to do the thing. I know when I used to attend church, they would pass the offering plate around, which is fine, and I would planning to give $10, and I would have be led by God to give 20 always giving more than I planned. But it was never a thing of guilt, ever. So if they make you feel guilty, that person is an extortioner. Don't have anything more to do with that person. Let's reread once again this scripture that is in Matthew 7, verses 21-23. Jesus says, Not every one of you that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So pray over those good works that you have in your mind to do. I think one time I might have been led by a human being to visit someone, and I have grieved so many times since that time. She was my partner at Bridge when I used to play Bridge. She was 90-some-odd years old, and she was at the end of her life and was sick, and one of the people from the Bridge Center strongly encouraged me to go to Johnny's house. And then I talked to Johnny by phone, and Johnny had told me a story which I sort of let play on me. Her son, she said she was having to use his walking stick, and it was just too tall for her. I had an injury, and I know how important it is to have the right height walking stick. So I, after I talked to Johnny, I went to buy her a walking stick that was adjustable where she could have the right height walking stick. Perhaps I did wrong. I don't know. But I know I was influenced by the church, I mean by the bridge person who greatly encouraged me to go to Johnny to go see her. So anyway, I bought her this adjustable walking stick. I went to her house, rang the doorbell, and no one answered. I rang it again, and no one answered. I'm sure I rang it three or four times, and finally, the door opened, and it was Johnny at the door. Her daughter was staying with her during this time, but the daughter was asleep in the bedroom or something. So Johnny invited me in, and I sat in and down and talked with her a bit, when I got up to leave, 
Somehow Johnny got up to see me at the door, and she fell. Oh, I felt terrible. She fell between the chair and the table. Her daughter rushed in there and was trying to get Johnny up off the floor, and Johnny uh, said, No, no, just leave me alone. Let me get up. And then she told me, said, Just go. And I did. But I felt awful. I certainly expect no credit for that work. And basically, we don't do these things for credit anyway. But let me just say that it's so important to know God led you. Why am I making this podcast? I'm making it because in January 2020, Pam Paget had a word which I firmly believed was from God. It was podcast. She told me this word came to her when she was getting out of bed that morning. It was very strong. Podcast. Not an audible voice. Just a strong word in her mind. She told me about it and I said, you better look into that. I didn't know what a podcast was. When she told me it's sort of like an audible blog, I said, oh, that interests me very much. At the time, I had been interested in going back on radio, but I found out the podcast was so much better because it didn't cost us all that money. And plus, it's better recording. You don't, you're not restricted by time like you're on radio. So, I began preparing for these podcasts. We bought a microphone and a stand for the microphone and a suitable recorder for making the recording the broadcast. It's not anything like I was ever used to. It's some kind of a stick that goes inside the recorder. It's not a CD or anything. They upload it. A few days later, I had a dream. I opened the front door of my house, and kittens were everywhere, white kittens. They were on the left side of the door and the right side of the door. Some were starving to death and just lying there waiting for food. And they were just everywhere. One of them was white with some yellow on it, but all the rest were solid white. In the garage, there were kittens. Kittens were everywhere. I was very disturbed by this dream. The next morning I said to God, what does this dream mean? And I was reminded of baby Christians who were starving to death and he wanted me to feed them, which is what the purpose of this podcast is. You will see a whole bunch of subjects listed on the right-hand side of our blog, which is Jesus Ministries Exhortations is the blog. On the right-hand side, click on podcast, and all this will come up of all these podcasts I recorded on fundamental truths from God that pertain to the Bible, but fundamental truths, concepts, that you most likely will not have heard before. But they're all based on Scripture. But many Scriptures are not spoken at the churches today because those scriptures would not be popular. And so many churches want big numbers of people. 
so you may have never heard these subjects. I know on the subject of death, my aunt, my favorite aunt, fell and broke her hip. And she called me, she was in another city. This is the last time I ever talked to her. And she said to me, what do you think happens to us when we die? She'd been a church member all her life in Church of Christ. I said, well, it's simple. We just simply go to sleep. That's what Jesus said when he talked to Lazarus about Lazarus. Lazarus died, and Jesus said he's sleeping. He's asleep. It's just like sleep. Death is no more than being asleep. When Jesus returns for the church, he will shout, there will be the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will awaken and rise. Not in physical bodies. It will be a new, we're given a new body at the time of resurrection, according to what God's will is. But death is no more than falling asleep. And she said, that's what I believe. There are just certain things not taught at churches. Concerning these works of our flesh are works authored by devils, good works authored by devils. Jesus says in John six sixty three, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the Holy Spirit. Quickeneth means makes you alive. The flesh profits nothing. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Jesus speaks to us today by his spirit. All believers are sealed with the spirit of God. I'm quoting from Ephesians 1. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit brings very gentle thoughts to us to show us the will of God in the matter at hand. I have quite a few recordings available to you on the podcast on following God by His Spirit. I encourage you to go to those and listen to them. Once again, Jesus Ministries Exhortation is our blog. The right-hand side of the page, you will see Podcast. Click on Podcast, and it will bring up all of these recordings. You can hear the recording again, and underneath the recording, I print all of the verses of Scripture which are contained in that recording, so you can see the Scripture written there as I'm reading it. Going a little bit further, Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, Jesus warns, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. They wanted the glory of men. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret. And thy father himself, who seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. When I watch something like a football game, so often they're going to tell 
what a wonderful work the NFL is doing in giving millions of dollars to such and such, doing their alms before men to be seen of them. That's what Jesus is speaking of. He said, that's what the world does. Don't do that. If you give something, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Do it quietly before God. And thy father, which seeth in secret himself, shall reward thee openly. Here's this one more example, which will be our last example today. Jesus says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when thou pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. When I lived in Clovis, New Mexico, across the street from my house were some homeschooling people. The parents homeschooled their teenage children. And other teenage children would come over to their house for homeschooling. One day, I looked out the window of my house and across the street in front of their house, in the yard, there must have been 15 people standing in a circle holding hands with their heads bowed. I was horrified. They were obviously praying in the front of their house to be seen of men. Oh, and when football players do that, I just shudder. They fall down on their knee and bow their head and put their hand on their head. And and it's awful. You don't have to be, you don't have to do any of that to pray. You just pray. To be seen of men. Awful thing. Don't do that. In Matthew 23, Jesus was speaking to the religious leaders. He said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. He said unto them, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass land and sea, to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And he said at one point to them, verse 33, Ye serpents, Ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape 
the damnation of hell. This is to the religious leaders of his time that he's speaking. We've got the same thing going on today. I used to play bridge, and this man named John, who, a Church of Christ man, they always asked John to pray before we had meals. We often had uh, buffet-type meals at the bridge center. Well, the first time I was sitting there when John prayed, I watched him. Everybody had their head bowed and their eyes closed, or most people did. I didn't. I was watching John. He had his head bowed and his eyes closed when he began to pray. Then a few seconds later, he reached a hand in his pocket and pulled out a a note card where he had listed what he wanted to pray. He was basically trying to preach a sermon. I watched him, and he kept reading these things from his note card and supposedly praying them. The next time, we had a buffet. When I saw John was about to go up to the front of the room to pray, I went into the ladies' room, and I prayed to God. And as soon as I realized he was finished with his long prayer, I came out and I told the director of the Bridge Center, who's a Baptist woman, I said, Betty, how can he stand this thing John does? It's awful. And she said, yeah, I agree. People know it. Don't go along with junk like that. That prayer is not going to go out through the ceiling. It won't even get that high when they do that. Hey, this We are supposed to be really honest people. All this religion stuff that's going on, so dishonest, dishonesty. This is Joan Boney speaking, and all of these scriptures are printed out for you on our blog. Please go to our blog, which is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. On the right-hand side of the page, of the home page, tap on podcast. It brings up everything I've recorded. You can hear each one of these episodes one at a time, and you can think about it. You can see all the scriptures that were recorded on that episode. I have written out every one of them on that episode for your benefit. We need to see the scriptures on these subjects. Jesus Ministries Exhortations is the name of our blog. Be sure to put that word exhortations after Jesus Ministries. I thank you very much for allowing me to speak to you today.